So we're going to try an experiment today. Um, well, a couple of them because I like to, but <coughs> one of them is that we're going to try filming me today while I'm speaking. Um, and so we have, we have rules. I have to stay within arm's reach of this podium. We'll see how this goes. I don't make promises, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Okay, so before we get started, I got a question for you. How many of you are this? Raise your hand if you are a librocubularist. How many of you are trying to break it down and figure out what it is? Okay, let me, let me, how many of you read in bed? If you read in bed sometimes, then you are a librocubularist. How about this word? What is chorking? And no, it is not some weird dance. What is, what is chorking? I know that's where half of y'all went, wasn't it? Uh-huh. It's what do you think it is? Any guesses? Chorking is the act of making the sound that your shoes make when you walk in them when they're full of water. How many of you just made the sound? And I bet your neighbor made a different sound than you did, which is really interesting. But that's what, that's what chorking is. How about this one? What does crapulence feel like? <laughs> this word was actually replaced a couple hundred years ago by a different word. The word is hungover. Now, I personally think, if, if you've ever been hungover, this word is much more accurate. I don't know where we lost that word, but we did. We lost it somewhere. Um, how about this? Do you, any of you know an ultra-crepidarian? I bet you do. An ultra-crepidarian is one who gives their opinions on things they know nothing about. <laughs> right? You know any ultra-crepidarians? How about this medieval word? And I want to be very clear, it's a medieval word has nothing to do with politics. It's a medieval word. Any guesses on what trumpery means? Trumpery is things that look nice but are actually pretty worthless. It's a medieval word. How about this word? Swallowing. When is it usually swallowing outside? Usually it's swallowing in the middle of the summer because this is a word to describe hot and humid weather, all in one word. And the last word I have is this, have you ever scurry-funged? <laughs> have you ever scurry-funged? I'm walking out of frame. Have you ever scurry, I see I failed already. Have you ever scurry-funged? If you have ever hastily cleaned your house before a guest arrived. You have scurry-funged. Now, about half these words are just words we don't 
use anymore. They're still in the dictionary. About half the words I covered today are words that are no longer in the dictionary. We've simply cut them out of our entire vernacular, the way we look at our language, at the English language. Crapulence is one of them. Scurry funged is actually one of them as well, which is unfortunate because I feel like my mom made us do that an awful lot when I was a kid. Scurry funged would have been a great word to use, but time to scurry funge. It's just fun to say. But you see, the truth is language, though, language changes over time. And sometimes those changes are good. They add new ways to describe things or new ways to understand things. Sometimes those changes, though, leave us losing meaning or finding a less efficient way to say something that could be said in a single word, right? We make it more complicated than it needs to be, or we just forget. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at one such word. It's in, the, it's in, in Hebrew, the word is shema. And shema is a word that... Um, I think we have a word we think describes what Shema means. But the truth is we've lost much of what it would have originally meant. The word in this case refers to a prayer called the Shema. And, and this, this prayer is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. And it says this. You want to put that up for me, Tom? It says, listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It is a prayer that from the very beginning, from the time that Moses dictated this and, and it was written down, that the people of God have spoken every morning and every evening. They have done so on their knees, and they've done so on their knees facing the east. Jews still do this. They still practice this twice a day where they, they say this prayer. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In the verses that follow, verses 6 through 9, it says this. It, it expresses how important these words are. It says, these words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a label on your forehead or a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city. What does all that mean? It means these two verses that he just said, listen, Israel, love the Lord your God, or listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, are designed and intended from the minute they were uttered by the Lord to Moses for him to write down, they were intended to guide every piece of your life. Jesus would capture the second of those two verses in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Right there it is. And it says, this is the greatest and most important command. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor and love as you love yourself. But verse 40 says, all the law 
not some, all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Have you ever tried to use a door without a hinge? What happens if you try to use a door without a hinge? Some of us call that a wall with a doorknob in it. Or you might call, call it a bonk on the head, right? A door without a hinge simply does not work. When Jesus says all the laws and the prophets depend on these two words, that word depends also is a hinge. It hinges on these two words. It only functions if you understand these commands. It only functions if you really embed these in your heart, as, it, as the writer said in Deuteronomy verse 6. Tell them to your children. Take them into your heart. Tell them to your children. Think about them every moment of every day. When you're sitting around doing nothing or when you're out working, meditate on them. Chew on them. When, it, when you lie down at night and when you get up in the morning, Bind them on your hands, right, as a sign. Put them there so that you can remember. You can look at this and say, yes, I remember what this means, and I remember what these words are and what, what the point is. And put them on your forehead as a symbol. That's not about me seeing, because unless I'm going to stand in front of a mirror all day, it's about everybody else seeing, right? That these are the things that drive me, that this is who I am. Announce it to the world. Write it on your doorposts of your houses, and put it on your city gates. Anyone who encounters you should know you are mine. But he starts that, those verses with one word, and that word is Shema. It is listen. Listen. That word listen means many things. Oftentimes we think it means something akin to hearing. Right? You, you hear, or you're actively trying to hear, maybe. I used to work in, in restaurants, right? And I used to have people complain about the music in the, in the background all the time. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. If you're in a restaurant and you hear music, this is how they decide how loud the music is. The goal is for you to be able to have a conversation with the person you're sitting across the table from but not hear the person in the table next to you. That's the goal. The goal is to create this kind of chamber or place where you can feel like it's just you when you're around everybody else all at the same time. That's, that's the goal. It's this background music. But sometimes I think we do that with, with God's Word, and we do that with God. We want to we hear Him loud enough to block out the pain of our world and the challenges of our world, but be quiet enough that it doesn't interfere and permeate our daily lives or every step we take when we lie down and when we get up. We consider God's word, but we don't really let it permeate us sometimes. That's Shema means that. It means to listen and not just keep it at an arm's length. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, right? 
where he speaks of how the gospel or the word of God is, 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 is conveyed to people and you're one of four types of soil. You, you're either, the seeds of the gospel are either thrown on a path where a bird comes and eats them all and, and, and devours them quickly. Or you're, you're rocky soil where it grows quickly but it's scorched because its roots aren't deep and it dies as quickly as it grew. Or your thorns. If your heart is thorns, then there's so much other garbage going on in there you can't tell the good from the bad and 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 actually the things of god are choked out or that one piece right that is good soil still other seed fell on ground it says and produced fruit some a hundred some 60 and some 30 times what was sown and then in verse 9 of matthew chapter 13 he says let anyone who has ears listen let them hear let them listen this word shema doesn't just mean to hear it as background noise it means to pay very 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 close attention it means hanging on every word have you ever been having a discussion with somebody or think you're having a discussion with somebody and they're not as engaged as you are in this and you, at one point you just go, are you listening to me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm like, what? Right? That's just, that's, sometimes that's a mistake that we make when it comes to engaging with God. We hear him, but we don't really actively listen and hang on every word that he says. We don't take the Lord our God is one, right? And put it in our heart. Make it part of our basic being. In Genesis chapter 29, it's a, a section that, that I call the baby wars. The baby wars are the wives of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah who are fighting to see who can be the favorite to Jacob. And the fight is, is lived out by who can have the most kids. Now, Leah knows that she is not Jacob's favorite. She knows, he, she knows that Rachel is, and so she begs the Lord for children. And then in, in, verse, in chapter 29, verse 33 of Genesis, it says she conceived again, and it said, and gave birth to a son, and the Lord heard the Lord Shemad that I am neglected and has given me this son also and she named him Simeon which if we were to translate it to Hebrew would be Shimon Shimon he heard he Shemad he heard me he was paying close attention to my cries he was paying close attention to me. And isn't that what we want God to do? When we cry out to God, do we not want him to pay attention? We want him to listen. But when God says to his people, Israel, Shema, listen, Israel. Shema, Israel, listen to me. He's saying very clearly, pay attention. This is important. This isn't just background music. This is you uh, undivided attention turn off the television close the book turn
turn off your phone, whatever it is that distracts you or keeps you from seeing the things of God. If you're like me and you have ADD, all it takes is one shiny thing, right? Listen to what I'm telling you. Set aside all the distractions because this matters. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I will tell you that I hope by the time we're done with this series in a few weeks that we all have that memorized. That it is placed in our hearts just as Moses commanded, right? Or as God commanded through Moses. The Lord paid attention to Leah's cries just as we would want him to pay attention to ours Shouldn't we pay attention to his? That's kind of how relationships should work, right? But this, this word, Shema, doesn't just mean to listen. It doesn't just mean to pay attention. There is a built-in expectation that it will also elicit a response. Did you know that Hebrew does not have a different word for obeying God's word? It's not listen and obey. Shema means listen and obey. There's an expectation that when God says, listen to me, that his people are going to actually, I don't know, listen and do what he tells them to do. why throughout the Old Testament you hear the prophet saying things like the people of God, they got ears but they don't shema they don't listen right? The words are just bouncing around or they're just thinking about it and going hey that sounds like a really good idea, I'll get to that someday but that word shema implies very clearly and very directly a response an expectation that you'll respond. In fact, if we don't respond, it means we weren't listening. And it brings new meaning, I think, to phrases that Jesus uses, like when he says in Matthew 11, he says, let anyone who has ears listen. Do something with what I'm telling you. We were discussing that this morning as we were reading a, a parable out of, or a story out of John chapter 9 about Jesus healing the blind man. We were discussing in the teen class about Jesus healing the blind man. Spitting on some dirt, making mud, and wiping it on his eyes, right? Gee, thanks. That would not be the way I would have expected that to start, but okay. Then he says, go wash, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And I'd have been like, yes, please, because I got mud on my face. Thank you very much. But he, he says to the Pharisees, he said, look, well, why are you healing this person on the Sabbath? Why are you doing this? He says, look, there's a time when there's, there's, it's going to be light. When the light is here, we need to work because at some point it's going to be dark. At some point, we will not have an opportunity to respond. We will not have an opportunity to tell people about who Jesus is. We will not have an opportunity to change. There is an expectation from Jesus and from God because they're one and the same. That kind of makes sense, right? That we will respond to what he tells us to do. 
We won't just say those are really cool words. <laughs> those give my heart solace. Thank you, Lord, for making me feel good. Yes, peace and strength, those are all things that come from God. But you know he expects us to do something with it, right? He expects us to shema, to listen. If you have, a, if you have any children, if you've ever had kids or raised kids or been around kids, and you ask them to do something, and they say, yes, I understand, and then they don't do it, did they listen? No, they did not. And then you find yourself doing things like, if I say it louder, maybe they'll hear me and they'll do it, right? Maybe if I turn them around and put my hands on their shoulders and make eye contact, they'll do it. Maybe if I get out of switch, they'll do it. I'm not giving you advice on how to parent. Just saying. We inherently recognize when our children do not listen because they do not respond. Do you think God doesn't recognize we're not listening when we do not respond? He does. And he likely feels the same kind of frustration that we feel <laughs> as parents when our kids don't listen. And it's maddening, isn't it? It's maddening. So what does it look like to obey God? What does it look like to respond, to truly shema, to truly hear, to truly pay attention to every word that comes from him and to truly respond to that? Well, first it comes with an understanding that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There are two words used there, Lord and God. The first is Yahweh, right? Yahweh is Lord. If you ever see that four-letter word, Lord, where they're all caps, but the L's big and the rest of them are small, but still capital letters. If you see that in your Bible, that means Yahweh. We've talked about the idea that Yahweh might be the very breath that you breathe in, Right? It's your very existence. The meaning behind that word is that he has always been. He is the source of all life, and he is always present, and he will always be. Without him, there is no life. So when they say that, they say, you are my everything. You are the reason I am alive. But then the word God here is actually the word Elohim, which can mean small g God but also can very much mean ruler or judge. Obedience to the Lord, our God, is to say you are life itself and I am here to obey you because you are my ruler, you are my king. It means to put God's God first in my life, which, by the way, is not easy to do, is it? got some examples here of what it means to obey God. It says, first, I delight in him more than anyone else, including ourselves. I delight in him and what he brings to my life and what he calls me to do. I find more joy in serving God than I do in serving myself. It might be a sign that we're not really Shema. We're not really listening to God and responding if we'd rather do our stuff and that brings us more joy than serving God. 
If I'm really Shema, if I'm really listening and responding to God, my soul longs for time with Him because it cannot live without Him. His Word and in prayer with Him. If I'm really listening and responding to God, my leisurely thoughts honor Him as well. There isn't this compartment in my life where I turn off the God influence and I get to do my own thing. As we were singing today, is God ever really not present? Right? He's here. There is no place where you suddenly don't, aren't accountable to him as our king. A sign that I am really listening and responding to God, it means I don't make excuses like I'm only human when I do things that displease him. Yes, you are human, as am I. Yes, we are going to make mistakes. But if we simply blow them off and don't change or learn from them, then we're not really shemaing. We're not really listening to what God is calling us to. It requires change. Shemaing, responding, listening to God means I seek others, I seek to see others as the Lord sees them. I seek desire to see the people I meet on the street, the people who are sitting down the pew from me, as God sees them, which are beautiful, broken, loved, and carrying the very image of God within them and worthy of this basic intrinsic value that each of us has because we carry with us God. It means that I give cheerfully to those in need. And I've got scripture references for all of these. If you are in the notes online, you will see them there. If I'm obeying God, it means I chase God's approval over the world, over the world's approval. And it means I'm willing to forgive those who offend me. Isn't that what love really looks like? We want someone to love us that way. And Jesus does. God does. But as we go through the Old Testament and the New Testament and even our daily lives, sometimes I think the struggle, I know, the struggle is not at God's end, it's at our end. That we don't always love him the way that he loves us. Listen, Israel. Listen, the people of God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Take these things, these things that I'm telling you today must be in your heart. Amen? This is who we are called to be. And over the next several weeks, we're going to look at some other words in here. We're going to look at love, what that really looks like and what that means. We're going to look at heart and what that really looks like and what it means. We're going to look at strength and what that really means. So, as I close in prayer, I think our worship team, are you coming up? up? We've got one more?